is going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous monday july 24th 2023 as always i am your humble correspondent michael taylor coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the prepare the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart Turley, my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and uh, I got to go by my in-laws and sit in a massage chair. Holy smokes, a full-body massage. I'm purring right now. Yeah, that seems like both uh, working the mind and the body, um, but we absolutely <laughs> have a great show for you guys lined up. Stu's got a great menu. First up, oil markets are still volatile, U.S. Energy Chief says, but calling for further supplies. The real question is, will they allow drilling? Stu will dive into this. This article with a very nice ominous photo of Secretary Graham Holt. Next up, EVs for all. If the dream was meant, would it help the environment? A great breakdown of uh, EVs and the environment specifically related to global mining industry capacity. Stu will cover it all. Next up, how California's electric cars can feed the grid and help avoid brownouts. Is this possible? Uh, one of our favorite um, segments, which is uh, um, the looming electric car debacle going on in California right now. Stu will cover this latest angle. And then finally, Saudi Aramco stays smart, buys a $3.4 billion stake in Chinese petrochemical form. Our two favorite countries teaming up together. Um, He'll toss it over to me. I'll cover really oil rallying for the fourth straight week, uh, mainly off some tightening supply. Um, We'll take a look back and see what to expect upcoming Um, here in oil prices. We'll cover quickly what happened with rig counts. Um, and then we will let you get out of here and start your Monday. Before we do that, guys, again, all of the articles you're about to see come from the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your energy and oil and gas news. Stu does a great job of curating that website, making sure it stays up to speed with all the latest and greatest news. Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all of your data and energy news combo. Um, Stu does a great job of, uh, and the team really does a great job of making sure that anytime you hit, whether it's dashboard, energy news, be all the stuff's there, all of the articles you're about to hear in the description below, you can get a hold of us questions at energynewsbeat.com or take, hit the link below. I'm out of breath though, Stu, where do you want to begin? We got a nice show lined up for everybody. Oh, it's a fantastic show, Michael, but let's start with, uh, my buddy, uh, Jennifer Granholm and I can't, I keep pat myself on the back and uh if she ever got married to fetterman it'd be Fettergram or graham yep. fetter uh, i don't know but anyway uh she is sitting there looking at this article only smokes oil markets are still volatile u.s energy chief says calling for further supplies but will they allow drilling this one is hypocrisy at its finest Vo- volatility is still weighing on oil markets as Secretary Jennifer Granholm said Saturday, reiterating calls for additional supplies. Here's where it gets a couple quotes that just drive me nuts. She says that oil demand is going to go up 12.5. Currently, we're doing around the 11 range. <laughs> so in that 11 range, now remember, we have to import the heavy because there's no Keystone pipeline, we could get the heavy out of the Canadian oil sands. Just thought I'd throw that little miserable piece of news out good. there. Here's where she uh, comes up with this. We want prices to come down. The president is really focused on the impacts of real people 
who need to get to work and cannot afford that premium grand home highlighted. Here's a little bit of tidbit. They're thinking of pulling even more out of the SPR. And the SPR is at the lowest it's been in 30 years. It's at 300 million barrels, somewhere in that range. They still want to draw it down, even though they can't afford to put the oil back in, like I told you a little while ago. So here, let's come into this one. We want to see more supply. It gets dangerous when the prices are so high. I think the prudent course is to ensure that transportation is affordable for people. And that course means making supply is stable. She doesn't understand how pricing works in the oil and gas market. Well, I think she understands exactly how it works. She just can't come out and say, we want to produce more oil and gas because it would go against the stated goals of this administration. It's a catch-22. It's it's like a fat person nominating their doctor in attempting to tell them how they're going to keep their horrible diet up. It's like, the doctor's got to come out and say, well, you know, really four bags of M&Ms is actually... In our case, it could be good, you know, for all these five. I mean, you're the tap dancing that they have to do around to come up with the idea of, well, we don't want the consumers paying too much for energy. We expect demand to increase, but we don't want any more drilling. I mean, right. What do they want? They want to restrict the amount of, of oil and gas capital that it's available in the industry. Yet they also keenly understand that that demand is going to increase to 12.5. They want their cake. They want to eat it, too. Here's, I feel sorry for her because I think she actually knows what the solution is. More investment in drilling, more barrels coming out of the U.S. ground. The problem is she's hamstrung. She can't say it. She can't go out and say the answer is drill more, Stu. She can't. What do you expect her to say? I expect her not to laugh like she did when she asked that one question. Uh, how are you going to drill more oil? And she just started laughing yeah. like our vice president. I'm not saying she's I'm not saying she's a, a great person by interest. I'm just saying, like, right. I, I think we keep expecting her to come out and say what we all already know. OK, but here's, she can't. The, here's the last line, Michael. We have to do everything, everywhere, all at once. Deploy, deploy, deploy clean energy, because if we don't, our planet is on fire and we must address it. And she loses all credibility when she says our planet is on fire. Oh, done. And uh, so here's here's my take. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Green Littling, uh, Deborah Wald. They can do renewable energy time and time again without this. So. If Granholm called Deborah Wald, she ought to be our next uh, Secretary of Energy. All, all right, right, let's move over to this this EV one. Okay, EV for all. If the dream was met, would it help the environment? It might make some kids less uh, abused, but let's start here. Even if you're 100% convicted in a man-made climate change, the idea of EVs will help reduce CO2 is emissions is nonsense. Uh, this was authored by Mike uh, Shedlock of uh, Mishmash.com. I thought this was pretty interesting. Let's go in here to the... Uh, well, anyone who starts out quoting Mark Mills, I'm a fan of. I am too. I saw that and that just goes right on in. So no one knows how much, if at all, CO2 emissions will decline as EV uses rise. Every claim for EVs reducing emissions is a rough estimate or outright guess based on averages, approximation, or aspirations. I love that line. Um, and 
here's the thing. Biden's got all of his uh, tax incentives that very few of them will actually meet on this. And last week, Michael, we covered there's all these EVs piling up on the new car lots. Oops. Uh, Now, the CO2 emissions directly associated with EVs begin with all the upstream industrial processes needed to acquire materials and fabricate the battery. That battery is an awful, toxic beast. And so we come in here, listen to this. Lithium brines contain 0.14% lithium. So that entails 20,000 pounds of brines to yield 30 pounds of pure lithium needed for one car. Um, And cobalt, ore grain means 60,000 pounds of ore dug up per battery, Michael. Uh, Nickel means 10,000 pounds of ore. For one battery, graphite, 2,000 pounds of ore, copper, 12,000 pounds of ore. That is not green or eco-friendly. Holy smokes. Well, I I think anybody who looks at the situation says, wait a second, they're pushing us from drilling for oil and gas to mining for minerals. And if you actually were to see those two processes with your own eyes, You'd look oil and gas looks like it's a the, the footprint smaller. You know, out a lot is, quicker. You know, you know your problem is what NIMBY not in my backyard. We can't point. My, yeah, we can't do the mining here. We do it in China yep. where we abuse. They abuse the kids. And then we do it in the Congo where the kids are abused. This is about the kids. They don't care. So mm-hmm. that's well, I also find it interesting that places like Indonesia and some of those heavy, heavy, heavy countries in terms of of, of large stockpiles are banning right. exports of exactly. critical minerals. Yep. And here's the other thing. Moore's Law and the comic uh, book view. I really like the fact that they have uh, misquoted continually Moore's Law. You know what Moore's Law is? Yeah, it's and I'm probably going to misquote it, but isn't it something along where at some point tech, it's like the doubling of technology and it's like an infinite curve of like the technology right. it's something like that. There's some okay, curve associated with it. There is. And um, Moore and Andy Grove started Intel. Moore's law says every 18 months to two years, it, the number of transistors doubles. It doubles. That means, and the expense of creating wafers and chips is not a healthy process either. <laughs> so they misquoted in here. I just thought I'd give a shout out that I actually knew one thing out of the article. Okay, let's go to, here's how this next article folds into this one. And I get really tickled every time I talk about California, how California's electric cars can feed the grid and help avoid brownout. I added. Is this even possible? Let's go into this one. This is a hoot. Okay. Not only does our vice president love uh, buses, she goes, they're they're yellow and they haul kids. I love that one when she was giving us a technical description. Um, the What they're trying to do, and I'm going to kind of cover this before I get into the more of the details. In here, about the third paragraph down, they're talking about the eight school buses provided enough for 452 homes each day of the heat wave. And then the buses recharge during off hours. 
Okay, do you know how much weight is in a bus battery and how much it has to have? It, it's a lot of extra money to have the uh, bi-directional charging capabilities of those things. A lot of extra money added into it. There's only a couple models for cars that have the bi-directional charging mm-hmm. capability where they can power your house. The Ford 150 is one of them. And if not, it's at least uh, two to $5,000 per car to add that in. And then you have the other expense to the house. Not everybody can afford that. Now, on the bus side of things, when you have buses trying to uh, fit into this, the brownouts and the heat waves, eight buses charging, having these 452, the kilowatt per hour and the kilowatts used does not match up. So this is pie in the sky. Every, I mean, this is, this is just something it should be on the menu of options that California has. I do like options. I don't like the government telling us what to do. Is it going to be the number one option? Definitely not. One of their part of their problem is on this article, Michael, is they don't know how to pay people for delivering power back to the grid. Talk about a complex system. Think about that. You plug your car in and your EV and then you drain it during the day to help save a a brownout. And then you try to charge it that night. And I mean, every time you take a battery and discharge it and then you bring it back in and charge it, that wears the battery down. So yeah, you know, using it, batteries, they, they they degradate over time. So I'm with you. I think there's I think there's two big areas where there's gonna be a lot of money made. One, smart grid technology in terms of out coming up with the, I don't want to say infrastructure, but coming up with the the application which manages the exact situation you talked about. How do you manage discharging from me back into the grid? Is that just free and I'm just giving free energy back to the grid or free energy back to my house so I don't have to draw from the grid? And I think second is battery degradation. If you're going to actually do something, if you're going to actually think about using these cars, and in this case, in these school buses, which I'm not against electric school buses, you want to go to electric buses, go ahead. Don't drain my batteries to the point where now you're causing brownouts for me because you want to plug your your school buses in during the day. Now, what's nice is they did say that they were charging these during at night and they haven't necessarily been causing tap outs of the grid. But again, when all of the when we start the unintended consequences of moving to all EVs, we don't know yet. We just talked about in the last article. We don't know all of these existential, you know, second, third, fourth order effects that are going to come down. You know, I love talking about them. We don't know what those are going to be. And the more we get closer to this switch from oil to, you know, from gas powered cars to EVs, more of these situations are going to come up. Exactly. I, and again, I love me some Elon. I love a Tesla. I want a Tesla as my second or even third car. I don't want it as a primary or have to depend on them. No. Okay. Speaking of EVs, talk about Saudi Aramco. Okay. Uh, you want to do the ESG first or go to Saudi? Let's go to Saudi. Okay. We like Saudi except for their human uh, policies. Okay. Saudi Aramco buys 3.4 billion stake in Chinese petrochemical firm. This is huge, Michael. Even though it's buying a stake in the Chinese, it's not the one that Hunter owned. Saudi Aramco said that it had completed the purchase of 10% of a Chinese petrochemical firm for 3.4 billion in the Saudi oil giant continues to expand. 
Our strategic partnership with uh, Rongsheng advances our Ramco's liquid chemical strategy while growing our presence in China and showcases our importance of reliable super crude supplier of crude oil. Mohammed uh, Katani, uh, he's the downstream president. It's pretty cool. It's only 10% of that refinery. Yeah, again, but, it's continually to, it's continuing to, in the, you know, Saudi Arabia is doing whatever they can to create long-term supply contracts for both oil, natural gas, and LNG abroad and not with us. The smartest thing they can do is now turn around and do this same thing in India, which they will probably do. And here's the thing. This is uh, probably the most important paragraph in here. Saudi Aramco announced earlier this year that two major refinery and petrochemical deals in China, which not only give the world's largest oil firm a share of the Chinese downstream, but it also an additional export outlet for 690,000 barrels per day of Saudi. This is actually guaranteeing a customer. I mean, this is kind of cool. I, this is like we're seeing those 20 and 23 year contracts for LNG. They're getting, they're protecting their energy and their sales. It's a pretty smart business. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, I think it's extremely smart and, uh, and, you know, we'll, uh, they keep, uh, they keep on, uh, you know, when, when they come by a stake in energy news beat for 3.4 billion, then I'll be impressed. Still alive. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the next art, last article for me is the ESG is dying. It's inevitable death, but will it open up capital for energy investments? This could be open for energy or uh, renewable or, you know, anything. So this is really just not about oil and gas and everything else. It's just this harebrained Fink, uh, Larry Fink. He's a good buddy. He's a friend of the show, head of BlackRock. ESG scoring and mandates remain a subject we've contested since it sprang into life in 2020. It's actually before that. Uh, the push of woke activism and, and by companies to meet nebulous or artificial standards has led to various bad outcomes. Let's see here. The U.S. sustainable fund flows. Notice in that chart for our readers, we'll have our producer flow this in. The fund flows are bailing out big in q4 of 2022 those are negative that is negative yep. so what has happened in the first quarter of 2022 blackrock lost 1.7 trillion by q3 people are kind of going like scoob they got a scooby moment and went huh? and they started rolling in and we're seeing even more of that now and that's evidenced by bp Total Energy, uh, you know, as we say in, in Texas, uh, both of those are and Shell are all now following Exxon and moving off into and uh, moving into oil and gas. And the number one area that they're investing in, Michael, is Africa. So mm -hmm. uh, all of this is just amazing to me. So ESG investing has given people a black eye. Here's where it's really going to get uh, interesting. And I want to watch for this over the next. We mm -hmm. got a story that we're going to talk about. The world's biggest wind power projects are in crisis just when the world needs the most funding for offshore projects for wind, whether you like them or not, is down. Going down. 
It's going down. People got to make money. And so it's about talking to each other, Michael. It's about let's have a conversation, right or wrong. I don't care. Let's talk and treat each other like humans. All right. Thanks for letting me rant today. Absolutely, Stu. Anytime. I'll start by covering quickly what happened last week in the oil markets. Um, We did see about a 2% rise on Friday to finish with the fourth consecutive weekly rise. Again, buoyed by supply shortages, mainly tea leaves of supply shortages. We just covered an article covering our favorite secretary, Graham Holt, talking about this inevitable supply shortage. So a lot of what you're seeing right now in the oil markets, we currently sit at about 76.83. That's going to be, again, due to the fact that we're not sure exactly where oil prices are going to end up. But we do feel, and specifically myself, feel um, very bullish. You know, We also are seeing some stimulus measures going on in China. So they're taking a playbook from the Fed, going to start their own version of quantitative easing. So that can only go well. We did see on Friday, rig counts come out, Stu. Um, another drop. We saw six rig counts drop week over week, seven on the oil and gas side, um, two on, or seven on the oil side, two on the gas side. We actually did see a vertical rig get, a vertical rig did get picked up. So on net, we see about six. Um, no offshore rigs um, dropped, only onshore rigs. So that is another interesting mate. But but mainly, Stu, everyone's watching um, the bullishness on oil this week. I think the real question is, do we or do we not see 80 this week? Where do you stand? Um, do we see been, 80 this I, week? I, I've been wrong a lot. And my wife would attest to that. But when you sit back and go, I think we could. Where, you know, I don't know uh, where I think it's going to be dependent is how soon the finance and uh, issues are coming around. They just launched Fed now and Fed now has 35 banks that are now going to digital currency. It's the first step to go to digital currency. You go to digital currency and it's now live. Uh, who knows what pricing was going to go? Yeah, you can't get on digital currency. So if there's anyone that's got to avoid digital currency, it's you. It No, it's the United States needs to. I know, wanna, I know. If I you want to eat. What else you watching for this week, Stu? Well, uh, trying to get a grip on world uh, supply and demand. I mean, I'm trying to get a grip on it. I, I got no clue, dude. I wish we did, guys. Um, well, we appreciate with you checking us out this week, guys. We're coming up on a, on, on a great week. Lots of great stuff coming up, so we appreciate you checking us out. But we'll go ahead and let's get out of here. Start your Monday, guys. You can survive. Hopefully, there's only a few meetings on this Monday. You can get out of here, um, and we will check back with you guys on Tuesday. We'll get out of here, guys. For Stuart Torley, I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow. 